Hello, and welcome to a podcast, the only podcast available on Arrakis, with my sandworm co-pilot, Teresa Stoddard. Now that's unclear. Am I a sandworm, or, like, am I a sandworm co-pilot, or do I co-pilot a sandworm with you? You co-pilot the sandworm with me. No, I think I am a sandworm, and then... Then I can ask you the age-old question, would you still love me if I were a worm? I think it opens up a whole new level of um, kink that I think is celebrated through the Dune 2 popcorn. Speaking of, yes. (laughs) I expect that tomorrow we're going to see it. We're getting that popcorn bucket to keep forever. Just to horrify people for years to come. We have to put it in the most obvious places, too, so people just really wonder what exactly is the popcorn bucket for um (laughs) if you uh haven't realized by now uh we are in high anticipation for the long-awaited part two of dune electric boogaloo yeah so we wanted to talk about uh dune part one which came out uh i don't know if you remember this this was way back in the height of the pandemic when um like things came out both on streaming and in the movie theater at the same time oh i think that must be why it's coming off of netflix now that it probably had a certain right time and period they're like it it releases tomorrow netflix you don't get it they re-ran it in theaters a couple of times uh but it started originally um hit theaters on october 22nd 2021 earned uh $438 $438 million despite the difficulty of going to the theaters during the pandemic. So, um, I remember, do you remember when we watched this? Yes. The first time? Because we just rewatched, we literally just yeah. finished rewatching it. Uh, do you remember when we watched this the first time? We were at my mom's place. We watched it on the TV. You had the nice little little chair, the brown chair. I thought we saw it in theater. We never actually did. Because, again, like I said, it was the height of the pandemic. I was like, I know we saw it right when it came out, but it was a simulcasting. Yes, exactly. Um, So, new thing that we're trying out. It, well, now I think this is our third one, so I think we're going to get it down perfectly. Is it's not a new thing we're trying out. We've always done it. This has convinced me. That's true, and that is convinced me. So we are going to take, and we are or going, less. or less, uh, we are going to try to convince. Um, the listener listeners i'm being hopeful here uh of our podcasts to watch uh experience and go through dune um i usually go first do you want to try going first today or do you want me to go first again sure i'll go first Ooh, exciting i like it um let me put the timer on yeah all right i will start when you start speaking all right. Do you like sand? Okay, there's a lot of sand. 
Um, normally, I don't like Sandscape movies at all. So the fact that I really enjoyed this one speaks to how great of a movie it is. Um, it's also got Zendaya. You know, that's a huge reason. Um, Ornithopters is my main reason. And I mean, Timothy Chalamet is pretty cool, too. And then Oscar Isaacs, who I always call Jason Isaacs. So it's fun. And if you like Star Wars, you should see the original time. That was about 38 seconds. <laughs> so you got that pizza done early. All right. Um, I guess I'll go next. Well, there's no one else here, so. Shannon, you want to go next? She was not watching the movie. She was just running everywhere and causing as much trouble as she could. Okay, so I will go next. Uh, this movie is a fantastic um, adaptation of uh, the Frank Herbert novel in, uh, that was written in 1965. Adaptation. Um... And uh, it is one of, directed by one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, Denny Villeneuve, who's done uh, multiple other sci-fi epics before. Uh, but I think that this is his best work. Um, I know this is kind of cheating because I'm talking a little bit about the second part, but I'm really excited for how, um, at the height of the pandemic, uh, this movie is still successful and they still did amazing things. Uh, visually, cinematography-wise, um, it's so well written and well acted. Uh, you got to see it. It's maybe the best movie of 2021, except for another little film called Coda. And that's my time. Fifty-nine dot fifty-four. Right now, what did you call him? Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert. Weird New Yorker. Taking the H's off of everything. Oh, I said Herbert. He said Herbert. Um, so we're going to start with our non-spoiler discussion. And then we'll move into spoiler discussion later. We'll have an alert. I mean, I feel like this movie's kind of hard to spoil. Oh, there's a very spoiler part that happens. Maybe a, an hour and 40 minutes. A lot to do with how there's two families to start the movie. And then... Maybe just one. Um, so, again, this... Uh, I'm more like sandworms. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it is hard to spoil the sandworms. But I will I will warn you, there are more things that occur in this movie than the sandworms and the ornithopters. Did I mention drugs? Oh, there are also tons of that. Uh, I mean, I guess the sand's all right. Convinced me. I think the sand is all right when the sand is all drugs. Yeah. Um, also, looks really soft. The sand. Yes. I mean, if they can make sand look appealing, I feel like that the cinematography and the filming is just over the top. When it when it's all dimpled from the movement. Yeah. Like dimpled. Hello, <laughs> sorry, but I know it's true. Um, as I mentioned before, this is actually the third adaptation of Frank Herbert's 1965 sci-fi epic novel. Uh, there's also many sequels and series and spinoffs based upon it. Uh, there's rumors that after part two is done, that uh, Denis Villeneuve, or at least the studio, 
wants to do at least one of the um, sequels or spinoffs and make it at least a trilogy. And from there on, who knows? Um, previous adaptations include a 1984 David Lynch film. He's the guy who also did um, Twin Peaks and uh, John Harrison 2000 television miniseries. Uh, this book also highly influenced, I would say, all of science fiction. Um, and you could definitely see it in Star Wars. Uh, do you notice anything from the story that you could see, like Star Wars influences? Um, literally every minute of it. Well, so honestly, had I not known that it was an influence, like that it influenced Star Wars, I would have been like, damn, this shit ripped off Star Wars, like 100%, like very, very, like overtly. So it makes me kind of feel like George Lucas, we're not, I know he did great things with it, but like, come on, the way, the force, like. Well, not only that, but like the voice. Yeah, just. We like, have a lot of uh, thoughts apparently from Shannon. Shana. No. She's like, yeah, it looks very similar. But no, um, you can definitely see the influence. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't know. She's she's just settling in, I guess. She's like, you guys are always sleeping by now. This is not okay. Yeah. Opinionated. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. We get it. We get it. You don't like her takes. <laughs> Shayna. So um Moving on. Uh, so, yeah. No, I was going to say, I wonder if, like... If this generation will be like, oh, That's my literally God. word yeah. for word what I was going to say, like, is if they watch of Star Wars. Like, I've seen Star Wars. Like, why is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're like, man, like, man, I, the voice is just like the Force. Like, what's wrong? And all this prophecy shit and, like, things that, like, oh, the... Oh, the main character like just happens to be like the chosen one and just also, all the four letter basic ass names. Oh yeah, like Paul and Luke that we were talking about before. Yeah. Um I just like how you called Luca basic ass name. Um yeah, so it's my son's name. Yeah. But you know. Um so yeah, I mean you could see it all around, um, but definitely in like all the stuff to do with the Bene Gesserit, and like they like the Bene Gesserit is like literally the Jedi, <laughs> you know. Like um, there's also a lot of like um, oh, like political influential stuff too. Like you could see the Empire as the Harkonnen. You know, and then um, there's obviously like an oppressed uh, people um, as the Fremen. Um, like it's it's almost like a direct one to one 
um, with uh, Star Wars and um, so like Dune. Star Wars is Dune fanfic. I mean, in a lot of ways, yeah. It's also, I mean, I don't want to get too deep in my Star Wars bag, but also like a lot of samurai movies, um, like um, Hidden Fortress, um, and uh, just a ton of other, you know, uh, westerns as well. Um, but moving on from that, I want to talk about this one specifically. Uh, this specific adaptation, which I said before, came out uh, in the height of the pandemic on HBO. And I remember there was a lot of controversy because it was a movie that was really big. And at the time, um, the, another filmmaker, Christopher Nolan, refused to release Tenet on streaming, which was fine because, unfortunately, we watched that. Tenet was so trash. Yeah. And, like, streaming might have broken but uh he refused to and so he only released it in theaters meanwhile um so he consulted no women because he hates women <laughs> okay I, I don't know if i'm gonna get your full support on that but uh i believe a woman so there you go um well i was, I was saying i'll support you i support you he puts women in his movies for like five minutes and they're usually writing someone so exactly yeah something. i mean it's interesting i i wonder how you're gonna feel come oscar season well i mean like come the i've already said i have my qualms about qualms <laughs> um well i guess we'll revisit those qualms when we do a rewatch podcast with oppenheimer just like I fucking hate leonardo dicaprio but he does a good job he really does yeah it's one of those hate the person like the artist kind of situations anyway moving on from that um okay i think uh shana is gonna leave the podcast studio for the time enjoy this quick break while shana gets the fuck out of the room Dun dun dun. All right. Uh, so, as I was saying previously, this one uh, was directed by Billy Villeneuve, who's also directed other sci fi movies like Blade Runner 2049, uh, Arrival, which is really good. That's a really good sci-fi movie. Obama liked it. Remember that was on one of his picks? Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. It. I mean, we had planned to watch it anyway, yeah. but still. Uh, he's a Thanks, directed, Obama. <laughs> Sicario Prisoners, and obviously, of course, Dune Part 2. It was written by uh, Denny Villeneuve, but also Eric Roth and John Spates. Eric Roth wrote screenplays for Forrest Gump. Never heard of it. Never seen it. No way, really? Yeah. That's wild. So for the longest time, people go Jenna, and no one I, had no context for that whatsoever. I know from the school of pop culture. Okay. And I know the run force runs it. And yeah, I know yeah. The life is like a box stop that you never know what you're gonna get. We gotta, but, we gotta watch that one day. 
I don't know. Now I feel like I don't want to watch it just so everyone can be like, you've never seen Forrest Gump. It's like, I mean, it's a complicated movie, but it's really, I mean, like, I feel like it's a complicated movie today. Uh, but anyway, moving on from that. Um, he also wrote Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Star is Born, and a little tiny known film called Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> yeah, so Eric Roth is, he knows his screenplays. Uh, John Spates kind of newer to the game, uh, but he wrote screenplays for Dark Strange, Passengers, Prometheus, Darkest Hour, and Dune Part 1 and 2. It is interesting that Eric Roth is not credited for writing Dune Part 2. So that one is just the two, Spates and uh, Villeneuve. And obviously, of course, the original author, where a lot of that is taken from, with Frank Herbert. Herbert. Uh, music is by Hans Zimmer. What do you think of the score? I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it won uh, Best um, Original Music. Um, famously for this movie, he um, Hans Zimmer like created instruments for it because he wanted to create like what he called a um other a war a, a sound that was not like our world so like you got like a lot of bagpipes but like almost like synth bagpipes and like a lot of um like uh throat singing and things like that and just just really otherworldly sounds I know that's also what his intention was, so great job on him. Uh, but he said he modified and created tons of new instruments for the score. He's doing part one and two, so uh, he comes back for this one. Uh, he also obviously composed for The Lion King, which won um, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception, um, you know, the music is great. I think it's one of the things that kind of separate this movie apart from all the movies. Cinematography is by Greg Frazier, who worked on Rogue One, The Batman, Mandalorian, New Parts 1 and 2. And then Joe Walker was the editor. He edited Sicario, Arrival, so a lot of uh, Denny Villeneuve's movies. This is kind of like Joe Walker's his, uh, his editor, and Greg Frazier's kind of his cinematographer. And Hans Zimmer is pretty much his. Um, his composer, like almost every single movie he's done. He's well, as I always say, creatives like Drink. to keep their friends close. Drink. So they will keep their friends on their projects. Uh, and in front of the camera, you always, ha uh, we have like a star studded cast here. We have, uh, Timothee, who looks like he might die of cholera at any moment. I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> He plays the uh, titular Paul Atreides. We have Rebecca Ferguson, who plays Lady Jessica Atreides. Who's always sobbing quietly. She she definitely is, or wondering if fear is the mind killer. Um, we have the great Jason Isaacs. Just kidding. Oscar Isaac, <laughs> uh, who plays the Duke Leto Atreides. He's kind of the patriarchy of the family. Lady Jessica Atreides. I, oddly is not uh, is known as his concubine, but not his. They're not married. 
Which is what would make her his concubine. I, okay. Oh, yeah. True. True. You're right. You're right. You're right. And Timothy Chalamet is um, their son, who is like the eventual successor of the family. He is the chosen one, or the one. The one. Um, you also have Jason Mamoa. And maybe his best performance ever. You know what the, my favorite part about Jason uh, Jason Momoa's role in this is I feel like that that's a perfect amount of Jason Momoa in the movie. <laughs> like, it's just like they figured out, like, the perfect ratio of how much he should be in versus how much he shouldn't be in it. Um, and he also has, like, by the way, the names in this movie, in this movie are, like, all-star amazing. Duncan Idaho. Duncan Idaho is just great. Like, I feel like that uh, Frank Herbert looked at of cities in Idaho and was like, that's his name. We have Stellan Skarsgård as the really creepy Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Josh Brolin as the most grumpy Thanos ever in Gurney Halleck. Except for all he does is, like, spout random, like, lines of... Like, like poetry mm-hmm. and scripture and play on words and like we have javier bardem as one of the fremen stilgar um we have dave batista as the nephew of overacting award yeah yeah overacting (laughs) award winner in this movie zendaya is shiny just looking behind herself like yeah yeah the whole movie is just zendaya looking behind herself like hey let's go but uh, we have Charlotte Rampling as Reverend Mother Moham and Cheng Chen as Dr. Wellington Yu. Uh, as far as awards go for this movie, uh, we have um, these were the wins that they got Best Sounds, which went to Mac Ruth, Mark Mangini, Theo Green, Doug Hemphill, and Ron Bartlett. Uh, the sound is movie is incredible. From like the, the Tremors to the again like the music to um i think the battle scenes i think the 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 shields have like such a really cool uh we're gonna get into visual effects next but like also a really cool like shimmer sound to it um also like one of your favorite parts is the all the machinery and stuff right yes well i think one of the yes they like made a point to show you every inch and showed you exactly how it worked because it wasn't how you think it would like how the wings can fold in and like but I, I think it was so cool like the way the whirring of the machine and then like the way it would start off um also like the way that the the transport for the the um things that were harvesting the the sand i like when they thumped on the drum sand just with their fists yes like so distinct so cool yeah and you can really feel like it, that that effect is so impressive and like just imagine like how that would be because if you've gone to the beach and like played with the sand i know it's on a desert sand before so i can't like there's probably sandworms out there i don't know i've never been there i've never discovered it <laughs> but if you hit sand, nothing's happening. So the fact that it can is really cool. Uh, we also have best production design. The production is incredible. The, the the sets are incredible. The way that the the worlds look distinct, and a lot of it's practical effects. There's really 
and the mix of CGI, like for filling in backgrounds, like you could, you really can't tell. Like it doesn't look goofy. Uh, and I went to Patrice Vernet for production design, and I'm gonna try to say this word, uh, this name, Susan Nasipos, for set decoration. Uh, anything particular that you want to point out for? Do you have like a favorite set? Do you like have a favorite like um like area that they were in or I like the underground with the circle doors. That was cool. And I like the way they escaped and um But honestly it would just be whenever there was an ornithopter on screen. I like the um the palace that they uh live in when they go to uh, Arrakis. Some of the date palms. Uh, before they get yeah murdered. Before they get got. Um, the I I love the like the murals that depict like different. Uh, you could tell like it has depictions of different parts of the history of Arrakis, like the gigantic sandworm. I like didn't pay attention to those. I was just like those are nice, but I didn't like look look. Well, well, I also like the design of like the the paint box was cool too and yeah uh, there's only there's very few things that i remembered from watching it before the pain box i remembered the sandworm i remembered yeah and um being left the, on a like a, on a, on a cliffhanger on a, such a cliffhanger kind yeah. of like wait okay and, well, it, it ends almost very much like, I mean, without the, like, you're my father thing, but, um, or I'm your father, you're my father. And it, it's, Luke, it's very, you are my father. It's very, like, it strikes back. <laughs> oh, you are my father. Um, but talking about the sandworm, I feel like a lot of that relates to the fact that this won uh, the Oscar for Best Visual Effects. That was Paul Lambert, Tristan Miles, Brian Connor, and Gerd Nebzer. Um, the look of the sandworm is incredible. Like I the mouth. It. I and... love when it comes up and it looks very much as if water things are happening. Right. And I'm just like, there's water now? No, it like, was down to the... You could convince me that that is something that exists on like a different planet. That someone just took... You can convince me that it exists on this planet. It does not exist. I'm a sandworm <laughs> truther. <laughs> Find me. Brothers and sisters. We already discussed it also won best original score and Joe Walker won for best editing. The way it's put together, the way it's shot together is incredible. Like, um it is a long movie, but the pacing I feel like is one of its better qualities. Okay, let's be real. It's no longer a long movie. Right, right. So But I'm just saying I feel like No, I'm going to tell the story. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So I used to grow up a movie was over like two hours and I'd be like, Oh my God, this is way too long. Can't do that. But killers of the flower moon over three hours long and some others that we've been watching are just very long movies. So I look on Netflix today. Luckily I saw the other day that I'm glad you did. Be the last day that will be available on Netflix. And it looks like everyone's kind of pulling out to kind of get due um, to it's the, it's the attribute. Smart but rude. <laughs> I'm glad we did it. Um, that had a point. What was I saying? Oh, you were talking about 
um, specifically relating uh, with the length of the movie that it oh, that yeah, those yeah. movies so, don't feel as long. Well. like two hours and thirty five minutes. Oh, that's nothing. And it really felt like it went by too fast. Honestly, like by the time you look up and it's done, you're like, wait, it didn't feel like we did that much. Yeah. But not in like a dragging way. Like you needed all of this information, but it doesn't feel like it's force feeding you information. Like you're not at the beginning of a Stephen King book. Like right, which right. is great, and like t- his style and like that's not what I want in a movie. I don't want them to just be like blah blah blah. This is it. Like for example, the first season of um, what is it? Amazon. It's a book, fantasy. Dad watches it. We need to watch season two of it. Oh yeah. Where? Um, gosh, it, it's a whole epic. There's I Wheel like time. Wheel of time. I was like, I own so many of the books. Yeah, Wheel of Time, where you can tell it's good and you can tell it's gonna pay off, but it drags to get there because they have to tell you way too much. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's like fourteen books, yeah. so you have to tell you way too much. Um, so some of the they also got a couple of nominations uh, that they didn't win. So, uh, like for example, best picture. Do you know what it lost to? Coda. Yeah, it lost to Coda. Um, makeup and hairstyle, like costume design, cinematography. I was interested that they uh, also were nominated for best adapted screenplay. I think it's also wild that he did not get nominated for best director. You know, you would think with cinematography and editing that you would also get director, but he did not. Um, so the way the movie opens is uh, it is we are in the future. Um, and uh, Duke Leto Atreides, who's played by Oscar Isaac, uh, who is the ruler of the planet Kaladin, is designed by the emperor at the time to replace the Harkonnens. The Harkonnens rule Arrakis, and they're really like mean and jerks to Fremens. Like they are just um, like relentless. What do you? How do you think the um, the two different family dynamics played out? Like, what was your opinion of like Harkonnens versus the? Um, I was gonna say Arrakis. It's not Arrakis. The help me out here. The treaties. What? The treaties. So the treaties are like the Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering, how do you feel like the they showed the difference between the two different families? Like, what was your feeling? One was. Terrible, and the other one was good. Like, okay, I just... like that's such a basic. Like, do you want the fucking worst people in the world, or do you want the main character, the protagonist? Like, well, do you think they did a good job selling the the main ta- the main uh, protagonist? Well, yes, I love the chosen one who does not want it, which is actually a specifically a thing that the one of the characters quotes. Mm-hmm. And like they really sell it, they bring it home. But but it, it's true because if you're seeking power, you're going to be very corrupt, right? If you're seeking 
like to guide someone that's how leadership should work but like no one's really gotten the hang of that so it's nice to see you know sometimes in fiction it come true right um and they're all trying to harvest this thing called like the spice no just spice or you know i mean yeah spice which is in the desert of arrakis um how do you think that drug feels um i don't know it seems very shimmery so i would say it's probably a party drug do you think it's like more like i would say some people are really about or it mushrooms they're or... really snooty about it and they're like this See, is purely spiritual but i don't I don't think it's like coke like, i don't think it's like they cocaine. don't do lines of spice yeah so, exactly there's no spice lines um i would say i would say probably like acid okay acid what about like don't think it'll be like mushrooms it didn't seem so natural it seemed more what about like um oh my god what's it you can tell we're not we don't really what about like e um is that what it's called still ecstasy yeah thank you now is ecstasy also molly i don't know we are such squares we don't really know drugs but um no i would say it would be acid because isn't molly like a party drug i think molly is ecstasy <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not the point but i just think it's a shimmery time but like it it could be a good time but it could also be a bad time like there's sometimes where it will well be i feel like party drink. drugs are like that too so also acid i guess that's where you're going acid is a party drug yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, um so i think i think it would be most closely related to acid in this essay i will <laughs> Uh, spice is also, um, but it seems like if you inhale it, so in that way, it is like Coke, but it's not, it, I feel <laughs> like, it, I feel like cause Coke is not supposed to be psychotropic, but, but it seems like it's like a contact high. Okay. Basically. Well, so that it's like better than anything else we have ever had then. So like aerosol acid, they should market that. <laughs> Um, uh, spice is also apparently the key to interstellar travel. Uh, so it is definitely shit. We're not actually going. They're just like, this is great. Uh, but, uh, I don't know if you've heard this before, uh, in any other type of science fiction thing, but it gives abilities for starships to traverse space instantaneously. You know, like maybe if one were to go to, I don't know, um, Hmm. Uh, what do they call it? Is it hyperspace? That's the word in my head right now. So yeah, right. But you know what I'm talking about in uh, a certain little war of stars, um, which again is just another uh, way that um, it is similar to Star Wars because it gives that the ability for starships to navigate and get through there um so Although i don't think they got it from drugs no they did not get it from drugs but um that's just the so dune is actually way better 
Um, obviously, the Atreides family is also very, um, even though they get control of the planet of Arrakis, they're really wary about that control. Um, but the main thing is they want to harness what uh, the Duke calls desert power, which is trying to make an alliance with the Fremen. The Harkonnen were really cruel and mean and terrible to the Fremen, but the Duke wants to create like a meaningful partnership with the Fremen. And that's a major difference throughout the uh, movie, the difference between the both of the um, families. Um, meanwhile, uh, we get a whole backstory with uh, Lady Jessica, um, who is, like we discussed earlier, uh, the Duke's um, concubine. Uh, she is what is member of what is called the Bene Gesserit. So think like Jedi witches. Um, they can possess like abilities that are called uh, like the voice. Um, and they also apparently can choose the uh, birth gender of their child. Did they say that right? So do they say that for sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because, she was just like, gonna have a son, gonna try this shit. Well, because she wanted to give the Duke a son. Because he wanted a son, and so she wanted to do that. Meanwhile, the Benny Jesuits upset because they said that the daughter of her daughter was going to um, have a son. But instead, she decided that she was going to parlay that generation and have the son who would become um, what is known as the Quasets Hatterach. I probably said that terribly wrong, which is like a, for lack of a better word, the one like a Jesus character. I, I think you said it better, much better than I did. Yeah, they like we're doing it in the creepy, like, quizzes. So anytime it comes up, just Quizax Hatterack. Um, so in the story, um, they're upset with her because she, like, betrayed the Bene Gesserit against the prophecy which, oh my god, there's so much prophecy talk in this. Um, so she has a son named Paul who's trained by Duncan Idaho, Gurney. Um, and uh, Jessica herself, who teaches him like many things about the Bene Gesserit against the um, wishes of, of that um, faction. Um, Paul's also seeing visions at this time where he's becoming part of the Fremen. He sees, I mean, who doesn't see, but he sees lots of images of Zendaya in his dreams, um, which brings the uh, person who runs the Bene Gesserit, which is named the Reverend Mother and Imperial Truthsayer. Basically, they can always 
they're so powerful they can always figure out what the real truth of things are um this is called the gom jabbar test which tries to assess if he can control his impulses this is where we get the very powerful fear is the mind killer uh segments where he puts his hand in a book or some sort of like a box you're right you're right the pain box and then um if he removes it then he is killed um by poison he passes the test um and lives uh once they get to arrakis jessica sobbing quietly and then loudly outside yes um once they get to arrakis uh they find out that duncan has successfully made contact with the fremen um there's also lots of uh conversations regarding um prophecy and the fact that they feel that because uh both paul who's timothy chalamet and his mother are the uh chosen one um they automatically see him as the um like the one that will save them um later on they uh meet a character that um is like one of the chieftains of what they call like setans which are like little clans of these people of the fremen um and meeting uh the imperial judge of the change who is uh a paleontologist lives among the free freemen um planetologist planetologist thank you thank you <laughs> um this is when they make the trip to go dr. see Kynes. yes dr Kynes is the planetologist who is also a fremen um no one knows that well i mean it's pretty obvious i feel like from the beginning it was a joke because she actually oh yeah 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 that is a weird yeah uh we learned several things about the the world like about things about the sandworms that they you have to traverse the, the desert in a specific way they call it was it sand walking i think so along the lines because uh, the giant sandworms that uh, traverse the deserts um, are able to, uh, they are able to sense things by rhythms and sounds. Um, also, apparently, the shields in the desert is unwise because they attract the sandworms as well. Um, and then at this moment, um, they also uh save a uh spice colony like collection uh from being uh completely destroyed by the sandworms um and paul has like really super traumatic visions that um kind of lead to have him um realize that something is coming um which would get us into our spoiler section but before then how do you feel like they did how do you feel like what was your thoughts on them like establishing um like i don't know i feel like they do such a great job with foreshadowing with talking about how 
they were set up to fail. I also think, like, with the date palms, how they talk about how sacred they are. Right. And then it shows them all just being decimated, and that kind of shows what's happening to the Fremen and what's now happening to them. And that's because of the force of the Empire. Right. The Harkonnen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the Emperor. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's what yes, it's called. I know. Um, so, yeah, but I meant to say Emperor and I yeah. said Empire. You would not think this far into the movie that we can get without spoiling things, but we promise you that, like, everything has been set up specifically for what happens, like, after they get back from the uh, rescue. I will say that, again, so much happens, but then when you get to the end, you're like, wait, nothing happened. I really think a lot of it. Upon a second watch, I'm like, that's fine. Maybe it's because I know, like, we feasibly could see this tomorrow, not like question mark years ahead. Right. So, like, it doesn't feel as high of stakes if you don't have to wait as long. Right. So, that's true. Like, um, you don't feel as cheated out because you're like, oh, I know I can see part two tomorrow. But I don't know. I think, like, they really worked for it. So, they deserve such a like frustration inducing cliffhanger because that's kind of the point of cliffhangers right it's so like outrage but like still interested and then like maybe going home to wax poetically about it or rant online <laughs> but or make a podcast about but, it and then once you make a podcast about it or if you tell somebody else about it even if you hated it just the fact that they did that you're going to be more likely to share that with somebody else than right. if it was just meh or if or if they had like tied something up nicely they're I, like i really um what what um i want to table the discussion did, but did tie a certain thread up right oh yeah they're very tied up um but i definitely want to table the discussion about the ending um when we when we discuss so spoiler time in three, two, one, everybody dies. <laughs> like, like if you're like, oh, you're a major actor in this movie. Oh, you're dead. Oh, hey, that's a major actor in this movie. You're also dead. But let's get to Oscar Isaacs for the sexiest stuff. <sighs> no, I'm talking about more. All the way you see I'm going to bring it on you. Like, like glowing. Yeah. They, gave him the, they definitely gave him, like, the Jesus death. Um, so, at first, they try to assassinate Paul with what they call a Hunter Seeker, and it fails. Uh, so, lots of assassination attempts. One very unsuccessful, one very successful. Uh, by the way, before this is happening, you're seeing also, from the Harkonnen side, you're seeing them align with... Um, what is called as the Sardukar, which are like these uh, warrior people who are super advanced in the, they're not, they're, they're kind of like mercenaries and the Harkonnen are trying to pay them off uh, because they're like, hey, we'll promise you all these things. The emperor made a side bet with us. They're like, hey man, we gave the, the, the Atreides a place, but haha, jokes on them because uh, we really want you guys back in there. 
uh, but the Atreides people were too greedy, so we had to show them. Um, so their doctor, uh, Hugh, betrays the Atreides people, uh, disables the shields, um, incapacitates the Duke, that's Oscar Isaacs, um, and then the Harkonnens and Sudukar invade. Okay, but he did so very reluctantly, and he still set things up to further the plot and the reign of Paul. Well, he that's true, because the plan was, which also the high priestess of the person who is the head of the Bene Gesserit said that it's cool. You can, you can, you can knock off all of the Atreides family, but uh, Paul and Lady Jessica, Lady Jessica, uh, they're off limits. We gotta, we gotta keep them on the board. And the Harkonnens are like, oh yeah, sure, 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 definitely. Uh, psst, uh, let's uh, get rid of them too. And um, in order for them to get rid of them, uh, because they're afraid to face the wrath of the are the Truthsayer, they cannot kill them, but they try to release them into the desert. Uh, when they do that, um, they uh, use the power of the voice to overpower and kill the captors, and then they get stuck in the, the desert alone. Meanwhile, um, the Duke is given a special poison release gas um, tooth that um, uh, he uses on the Baron, which kills a lot of people, but the Baron somehow survives and now has to bathe in black goo? Question mark? He the black goo until he like, came back. That's possible. Uh, so Paul and Jessica are left in the desert. Uh, there's uh, Paul's having tons and tons of visions where he realizes that this is going to be a holy war fought across the entire universe um, in his name. Um, they, the Harkonnens want to um, restart the spice production and kill all of the Fremen, and kill the remaining Atreides family, which by this time, Paul and Jessica are still alive. Uh, Duncan's with them, and so is Dr. Kynes. Um, Paul says that his plan is to marry into another family so that it could uh, avert civil war. They're like, hot, that's funny, because right now you can't do shit, because, like, the Sarukar and the Harkonnen are trying to kill you. Um, this is where we say goodbye to Jason Momoa, RIP, uh, Duncan Idaho. Your name will live on in legacy. That's ridiculous. It's such a like Jackie Daytona name. It is. It's like if someone was like, hey man, uh, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? And you're like, I am. You're the fake. John, yeah, like you see a Dunkin' Donuts, and then you look at a map and you're like, Idaho, Duncan, Idaho, that's my name. And they're like, what the? F um, 
Uh, so they're in the uh, desert for a long time. Uh, well, not really a long time. And then they finally find, uh, Paul and Jessica finally find Fremen. Uh, and this kind of uh, sets up the last part of the film because we find Stilgar's yeah, tribe. Found by Fremen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's also true. They're looking for them, but they are found by them. Um, uh, Chief uh, Paul finally finds the girl of his visions, Chani, who's like, hey man, I'm so glad that you lived this long, but you're totally dead, but here's a knife so that you die in honor. And then Paul's like, joke's on you. I've like had training my whole life, so I'm going to kill the person that challenges us. Um, and then in a really interesting... He didn't want to kill him. No, he did not. The, the first kill ever. Um, there's a lot of like, let the child die so the man could be born uh, prophecy conversations that are like whispers to hims, um, to hims, to him. Can he give me the tin sauce? Yeah. <sighs> yes, exactly. Um, also, Jessica at this time does not want Paul to join the Fremen. That's the only way forward. And he also knows that his father wanted to bring peace to Arrakis. And so in order to honor his father's his father's vision, he decides that he wants to go with him and go with the, the Fremen uh, who accept him as one because uh, when they kill, when he kills one of their own people, they call it a life for a life and they accept him. Nothing um, makes me want to welcome you in, like killing one of our own. And that pretty much concludes the uh, part one. So how do you feel, because you were talking about it earlier before, but we can expand upon it now. How do you feel the way that they ended the film versus like then versus now? Then I think I was more frustrated. Okay. But also like ever since like doing the podcast and stuff and like really being more intentional when I watch movies, like. I'm going to say, like, I'm not finding many downsides to it. Um, oh, after having watched it the second time. But the first time, I could understand why I'd feel restless and kind of like, well, that was for nothing. Right. Because, like, while it did do something, it was like the littlest of something. But also the way that it set up the foundation for the next movie is going to make way for it to be like so great oh yeah and, like... and i want to talk about that uh towards the very end of the podcast um about my anticipation for part two which by the way already has a 9.01 imdb <laughs> um but so here's here's really what i was thinking about watching it second time in the weirdest way, this movie is almost like a coming-of-age story. Because, like, you're seeing him go from, like, the Duke's son to becoming the leader of the Fremen. Or or at least, like, becoming part of the Fremen because he knows he's going to go and fulfill his own destiny. Now, I know it's not the same coming-of-age story as, like, you know, most, like, teen movies and stuff like that, but like for a sci-fi movie to do that much like it's a real character driven story 
Like, I really feel... I feel like you know him a lot more than, say, you know, Luke, or, like... I, I agree. Or, like... I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, I feel like that there are a lot of very distinctive um, traits about him. You know, he's brave. He's uh, strong. He's, um, you know, very... Um, um, like <laughs> he's very goal solution oriented, but no, he's very like um very strong willed. Um and he is very loyal to his mom, but he also knows that he has his own path. Um what I was gonna say is that he doesn't start out that way, but he becomes that way because of everything that happens to him. Um what do you think? Or, um, let me see how I can put this. Um, do you feel that the, the, the movie is like uh, very much a character driven story? Yeah. Okay. Like, I just, I was just wondering. Questions are very basic. Like I've already said kind of how I feel. Okay. So, like they're a little confusing. Okay. Um, well, we, I mean, we could start winding down from here. Um, is there anything in the, uh, that you wanted to also mention about the story? Like we, we both think this is a very beautiful film. Well, I'm excited cause we're going to get more Zendaya cause she was kind of like a vision until the very end. So do you want to maybe move on to discussion about the excitement for, I know you started talking about it, but how you feel about Doom part two. Yeah. So we're going to get more Sunday. Any other predictions? Um, more sandworms. More sandworms. I think we're, we're going to see how they use them. I, was saying, I think we're definitely going to see Timothy Chalamet ride a sandworm. I think that's definitely going to happen. Oops. <laughs> um, I, I think that from what I've heard, based upon the the novel, the first part of it is a lot of setup, which they did. Uh, oh, yeah, I want to talk about the ending just for one second, then we'll move back to. Uh, I remember when I initially saw it, I remember feeling like disappointed. But now watching it again, it feels like it was one arc. Like mm -hmm. one, because that's how I felt at the beginning. Not at the beginning. When I first saw it, I was like, like you said, I felt like not empty, but what what happened what really happened i mean there was the the whole trading and we get a lot of established characters but i feel like okay we established everything and then it's gone like oh great now i took all that time establishing but then nothing to show for it but i really now watching that's why i said it's like a coming of age story in a way because he of a boy to a man and it was one complete story how he starts off in one family and then it's almost like the prequel to Dune 2, which will be like the meat of the story. Yeah, so from what I'm what I've been told, I mean, uh, is the because I've never read the novel. Have you ever read the red novel? No. And now I do have the graphic novelization of it. Got you. Yeah. I gotta read it one day. I really want to. I just I always keep forgetting. I gotta read one day. Um in I general. 
the other day. I got maybe like sixty pages into the Lightning Thief. I'm late to the game, but I... so what do you know about Dune Part Two? Nothing. Do you know some of the people that are going to be added to the cast? I know Zendaya is in it, and I know Timothy Chalamet is in it. So Zendaya plays a much larger role. I would say she's probably the co-lead of the movie, if not, someone argued the lead of the movie. But uh. I got it. I got to run, run down some of the new people that are joining us. Um, Austin Butler. Everybody else died. Austin Butler, who uh, hopefully by now has completely gotten rid of his uh, Elvis accent. <laughs> um, you know, a little known person named Florence Pugh. Oh. Um, a very small actor that no one's heard of before called Christopher Walken. He's been in everything lately. I know he's always been in everything, but like, yeah. he is really even Super Bowl commercials. Right, right, like, right. Best Super Bowl commercial. But uh, that's who's really. Those are the main uh, players that are joining the 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 cast. Um. So we, like I said, we have Austin Butler joining. We have Florence Pugh joining. We have Christopher Walken joining. Um. And uh, I'm really excited to see. Um, I'm really excited to see how it goes, man. I'm really. Uh, this is supposed to be the the wildest uh, part of the the novel. Like it's supposed to be, just like go 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 from the beginning. Like I said, it already has a nine point from the beginning. Because when you put too much action in front of me, it exhausts, it makes, it fatigues my eyes, and I feel like I can't catch up to what's happening. So, but I think we mentioned this earlier with, like, how the shields work when they're fighting. It does slow it down some. So, like, I mentioned while we were watching it that, like, it's a more tolerable fight scene for me and like all of it was very like choreographed like you could see it right very intentionally and specifically which i i, I appreciated that because very quick like fight scenes like john wick which you does great for it it's too fast so for me yeah so i can look at it and be like yeah that's good but i can't i can't watch it watch it i feel like the shield is such a cool idea and such a cool effect because it forces them to fight a little slower because you could also see like the outlines of the fighting um i wanted to just shout out one more time i love delhi villeneuve i think he's one of my favorite filmmakers i love how detailed and how beautiful he shoots other worlds um like i said like i i i he's probably he is one of the few filmmakers where like if he has a movie coming out regardless of what it is i will go and see it like I, I, he's one of my favorite ones um but i i want to leave you and the listeners just because this is something that i feel like you you should see your face right now i don't know what's happening well because i just found a quote I think you want to fight him, maybe. no 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 <laughs> i found a quote that will make you so damn happy to hear about how he feels about his movie dune part two so this is delhi villeneuve talking about why he's not releasing any deleted scenes for Dune Part 2. He says this, and I quote, 
there's a specific part I'm going to go over that you will get so excited to hear these words. I'm a strong believer that when it's not in the movie, it's dead. Quote, I kill darlings. <laughs> and it's painful for me. Sometimes I remove shots and I say, I can't believe I'm cutting this out. I feel like the samurai opening my gut is painful, so I cannot go back after that and create a Frankenstein and try to reanimate things that I killed. It's too painful. When it's dead, it's dead, and it's dead for a reason. But yes, it's a painful project, but it's my job. The movie prevails. I'm very, I think, severe in my editing room. I'm not thinking about my ego. I'm thinking about the movie. <laughs> Does that resonate with you? <laughs> um, well, it re resonates with every creative right. who's willing to dig in and do the part. Like, it's not easy. Yeah. It hurts. But I just loved, I, I read that and I was like, I got to save that for you. <laughs> just because of how often you talk about that specific experience with your experience of being an author. Um, I'm also really excited because this movie has been delayed and delayed and it's not because it's not hasn't been ready it's just when movie studios want to release it so uh i'm so excited hopefully we get the podcast about this movie on doom part two soon along with the rest of our oscar movies uh we're also thinking about we're going to definitely do an oscar predictions pod uh we're going to talk about the rest of the oscar movies that we've seen you're going to get a lot of movie stuff from us on how it became a movie podcast but i guess that's just what happened when nobody makes tv anymore um it's true but it's, i mean it's sad but it's true we got what abbott elementary ends okay but we're going to we're gonna we're gonna talk about that what oh yeah yeah we'll talk about abbott elementary. And i still want to do yellow jackets i still want to do dark we are not we have done yellow jackets all of it yeah yeah we have with detail yeah go back and listen i don't think so we have I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. Dark would be a fun rewatch. Um, but yeah, but we're just really in a movie kick because, um, you know, I, I love award seasons. Uh, I dragged Teresa through award seasons. Um, but our, our Oscar pod is going to be really fun. Um, and then uh, we're going to try to do something a little different also. Like if, 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 if the, the podcasts had their own award season, um, I, I don't know. I thought about different names for it, like call it the, the exclamation question mark awards. That's backwards. Or, or I know, but actually, it doesn't sound as catchy. Uh, we'll, we'll table it. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe the all caps award. Whatever. Was it the upside down Oscars? That's what I called it. Because of Stranger Things. I thought so. I'm like, ah. it's the upside down. I know. Yeah. I don't want to do an Oscars from down there. That's creepy uh, shit. Well, that's where all the horror movies are. That's why it's fun. Well, thank you. They never get honored. Anyway, uh, we've gone on way too long. Uh, those are our feelings on Dune Part 1. Hope you liked it. Um, comment, like, subscribe, follow. They have interaction with us at all. Listen. Yeah, see, this is the way to get to the listeners. It's just berate them. Be like, just microaggression after microaggression to the listeners. <laughs> you know, like, like, they'll ever respond to us. 
<laughs> well, I need to find my PDA babies and be like, it's not like anyone's listening anyway. There you go. All right. Um, that's it for me, Mitchell Regan. Until next time. Do you want to sign us off, Teresa? Yes, I do, Mitchell. It is 1049. We passed our bedtime. So I do bid you a good night. Good night. Night night. <laughs>